right. Well, again, I sure appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, to talk about uh, our work and what God has called us to. But honestly, there is nothing that I'd rather do more than open up God's Word. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to stand behind the pulpit and to, to proclaim His Word. And we're, Even though we're gathering together in the midst of the virus scare and everything, and I uh, appreciate you being here, taking your life into your hands this evening, as it were. And so I, I'm told you're not supposed to touch your face. Uh, and so, so uh, don't be watching to see if I touch my face, okay? I, you pay attention to the words I'm saying. I appreciate that. And uh, I'll try not to think about it, but I probably will. You know, as soon as you try to, try to not do something, it's the only thing you can think about. Sorry, sorry that now that that's all you'll be thinking about. I apologize. But uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into God's Word this evening. Uh, we're going to start out in John chapter 4 and verse 35. John 4:35. And uh, as we look at this passage here in, uh, in John 4.35, we see a, a common verse, a familiar verse, especially as we talk about missions, as we talk about the need for our world, the need of the lost, and for us to go out and to reach them. Uh, you, you'll see as we read it that, that, that you've seen it quite a, quite a few times, and especially when we come to missions conference time, when we, when we think about the need of the lost. And uh, as we look at this verse here, uh, I, I want you to think about, about why. How did this come to be? Uh, we're going to read this passage, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of, of John chapter 4, and we're going to look at the events that led up to this. What caused the Lord Jesus Christ to make this profound statement about missions? What prompted Christ to say this to the disciples? Why did he want to, to, to make this statement to them? Let's look at it here in John chapter 4. In verse 35, uh, the Lord says this, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Again, he says to them, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, as the Lord is saying this, as the Lord is, is speaking this to his disciples, his purpose is to get their attention. Uh, this, this is very familiar to me. Uh, I've had the opportunity for the, for the past four years to be a high school teacher, and I'm a math and science teacher, so fortunately and we're not going to talk about any math or science uh, this evening, so you don't have to be nervous about that. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I was very, very blessed. But there were definitely times when you'd have to get the attention of the students for whatever reason. They were, they were in the room, they were in the classroom, uh, but for whatever reason, they, they weren't there. Their mind was elsewhere. They were thinking about something else. They were thinking about what they were going to do after school. They were thinking about the, the activities of the weekend. They were thinking about what's for lunch. Sometimes thinking about anything they possibly could besides math. Okay, th their mind is elsewhere. And there are many times when I would have to look at my students and I would say, hey, hey, listen up. Hey, hey pay attention. Hey, it's, it's time to forget about that and pay attention to what we're talking about here. Because what I was teaching them, what I had to say was a lot more important than whatever they had going on, than whatever, that they, whatever they were thinking about. And I had to stop and get their attention and say, hey, it's time to look up here. It's time to get your attention on what's most important right now. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here as he speaks to them 
here in John 4.35, he's saying it's time for you to change your focus. It's time for you to stop thinking about what is so important to you right now. And it's time to look on what is truly important, what's most important. And we're going to see exactly what that is as we go back to, to the beginning of John chapter 4. And we'll see what really is the most important to the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we do that, let's bow our heads and let's ask the Lord's blessing on the rest of the service this evening. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, for who you are and for your, most of all, Lord, for your gift of salvation. We thank you that at some point in our lives there was someone who came and brought that news to us and shared your truth with us. We thank you for our nation and for the history, the heritage that we have here in America, Lord, of the missionaries who have gone out and, and spread the gospel throughout the world, Lord. But I thank you so much for this church here uh, in this area of Connecticut, Lord, and, and, and Evangelical Baptist Church as well, and uh, for, their, for their testimony of being strong and standing on your word, Lord. I pray that you would continue that work as it goes forward, Lord. Help us to focus our eyes on what's truly important and just, Lord, just as you were trying to get a hold of the attention of the apostles, I pray that you'd help us to captivate our attention on what you see as most important. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and as we see uh, in, in the Gospels what he did and the places that he went and the, the things that happened in his ministry, we see pretty clearly what was important to him we very quickly realize that Jesus really was the greatest missionary of all time. Many times we think about a missionary exclusively as someone who leaves their country and goes to a foreign place, just like God's called us to do. And we're excited about it and praise the Lord for that. But I want you to realize this evening that a missionary really is anyone who is willing to go as the Lord calls them. A missionary is just someone who is sent out on a mission to proclaim the gospel. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. We don't really think about Jesus as a missionary, but he was. As we look at Jesus' life, really in, in his entire 33 and a half years of his life, he really didn't leave Israel for very long at all. But he just traveled uh, in, this, in, in the area where he, where he grew up. Uh, and, and we see here in John chapter 4, as we go back to the beginning here, we see that Jesus is going on a little bit, a little bit of a trip here. Uh, let's, let's start reading here uh, in verse 3 of John chapter 4. And we're going to look at Jesus on a mission trip to Samaria. A mission trip to Samaria. In verse 3, the Bible says, He, referring to Jesus, left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Verse 4 says, And he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. And so what's happening here is that Jesus is traveling with his disciples from the southern part of Israel, Judea, up to the northern part of Judea, which is known as Galilee. And they're making this trip, this mission trip. And as they're planning for this journey, Jesus Christ tells his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. As we look at this mission trip, we see, first of all, that it's an important trip. It's an important trip. Jesus said, I must needs go there. We must stop here in Samaria. Now, 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 I imagine the disciples, when they heard this, said, Lord, are you sure about that? Are you sure that's a good idea? 
Because you see, Samaria was not a place where normally Jewish people would go. They would not normally even travel through this area. On this trip from, from Galilee to, to Judea, Jewish people, as they travel this way, normally they would go up and around, out of the way, to avoid this area of Israel. They wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. Because of something that had happened in the distant past with the relatives of the Samaritans, their, their forefathers way back, because of mistakes that they had made, the Jews hated the Samaritans, wanted nothing to do with them. And because of that, the Samaritans hated the Jews in return. And this was unusual for, for, for Jesus and his disciples to go this way. But he told them, I must needs go through Samaria. I imagine probably Peter spoke up and said, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't think we should go there. We don't really belong in Samaria. I'm not really comfortable being there. We don't really fit in. That's not a place where we belong. Lord, Lord are you sure that's a good idea? Are you sure that's where we need to be? But we see that on this important trip that it was the right place. It was the right place. And even though it didn't make sense, even though it wasn't logical, even though it wasn't really a place where they felt comfortable being, we see that the Lord had a reason to be there. They were there for a purpose. And we'll see that it was the right place. It was exactly where God wanted them to be. Sometimes God brings us to places in our lives that don't make sense. We don't understand why we are where we are. But as we allow God to work, we'll see that God's placed us where he wants us to be for a reason. Just as Jesus and his disciples were here for a reason. They were in the right place, but they were also there at the right time. If you continue reading with me in verse 5, the Bible says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, during this period of time, as they would count the hours in the day, the first hour would be about six o'clock in the morning. And so by the time you get from the sixth hour, for the first hour at six o'clock, to the sixth hour, it was about noontime. It was the hottest time of the day. It was, it was sunny outside. This was not the time that it, you know, a good time to be outside. What, what would happen even, they would, they would have kind of similar to the, to the, Mexican, uh, the, the Mexican siesta. They would kind of, you know, if they could, stop their work for a little while and go indoors and stay out of the heat. Uh, but, but we see that Jesus here was, was out on the well, sitting out there at the hottest time of day. This was not normally a time when people would be out there by the well. This was normally, as, as people would come out there to the well, they would either come out first thing in the morning before the sun had come up and gotten hot. Or they would wait until late in the evening after the sun was going down, things started to cool off to come and to draw water at that well. But we see Jesus is sitting there at the well. Now, of course, about noontime, something else important happens as well. And uh, the, the disciples, being good, good Baptists, were, were thinking about nothing else besides lunch. And we'll see that the disciples go into town to get some food. And, and I imagine they implored Jesus, said, Jesus, we're going to town to get some food. You should come with us. Come get out of the heat. Get out of the sun. You know, you need to, you need to get some rest. We've been traveling all day. Let's, let's go to town and let's get some food and let's get, get some shade. But we see Jesus remains there on the well at the hottest time of day in an unfamiliar, uncomfortable city. But we see that Jesus was at the right place and he was there at the right time. 
Because as we continue reading here, we're going to see that Jesus encountered the right person. The right person. Now, I'm going to go and tell you this evening that there is no wrong person. Praise the Lord that Jesus Christ died for all. And, 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 and the, Bible, the Bible tells us clearly that, that Jesus came for all people. That Jesus Christ died for all men. Whosoever will may come. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. And praise the Lord that there is no one that we come into contact with. There is no one that we can share the gospel with who, who is not eligible to receive salvation. Praise the Lord for that. But we see that as Jesus was sitting there, someone approaches, someone comes up there to the well who, again, may not have been the best kind of person to be around. Uh, as, we, as we see here in verse 7, the Bible said, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Again, this was not the time of day when people came to draw water at the well. This was very unusual. It's very clear, even at this point in, the, in, at this, point in this account, that this woman came out there to the well to be alone. She wanted to avoid people. She didn't want to be around everyone else. Maybe it was the shame. Maybe it was the ridicule, the things that they said, the things that they, that they laughed about, the stories that they told. But for whatever reason, this woman wanted to be all alone. And again, I imagine if the disciples had been there with Jesus, they probably would have said, Lord, we need to get out of here. We, do, do not talk to that woman. Lord, Lord, do you understand? She is not out here just to get water. She, she doesn't, she should, we should not be talking to this woman. That's not the kind of person we want to associate with, Lord. But we see that Jesus was there at the right place, at the right time, so that he could meet the right person, so that he could come into contact with this woman to share the gospel with her. And praise the Lord that he did, that he took the time for this person, for this woman at the well. Now what happens after this, you're probably familiar with. There's an exchange, there's a conversation that goes on between the Lord and this woman. And uh, we see that it, it is an involved testimony. It, it takes some time. It takes some effort. This conversation goes back and forth. As we see it in Scripture, it's about 19 verses. This conversation. And, 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 and Jesus, as he tries to share the truth of the gospel with this woman, she's constantly changing the subject, talking about other things. It's, it's interesting because at, during this conversation, we see several things that... that even missionaries today deal with as they try to share the gospel with, with, with someone in another country. Or even as we just go right down the street. These same things come up. These same issues. We see there were cultural barriers. They didn't think the same way. They didn't, they didn't do things the same way. And they had to overcome that. As Jesus spoke to this woman, she said, Well, why are you talking to me? You're, you're a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. That's not the way we do things around here. He had to overcome that cultural barrier. There was spiritual ignorance. Jesus uses this, this beautiful analogy and talks about the living water, offers that living water to her, and of course tells her she'll never thirst if she drinks of that living water. Of course, we know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about that eternal life, that if we accept Christ as our Savior, we'll never thirst again. But, but it's interesting, the response of this woman, she says, yeah, give me that water. I'll never have to come to the well to draw water again if I can drink that living water totally went over her head. She had no idea what he was talking about. The spiritual ignorance. There were also some moral obstacles. This woman had some issues in her life. She had some sin that was there. And she had even gotten to the point where she didn't even, she didn't even recognize that it was wrong. It was just the way things were. 
It was just part of her lifestyle, and she had to realize that there were some things she had to change. There were some things that were displeasing to God. There were moral obstacles. And then ultimately, finally, it came down to this. There were conflicting beliefs. Basically, this woman believed differently. Her belief system was different than the the Jews. We don't don't believe the same thing that you do. But as, as Jesus spoke with this woman, he again kept bringing the conversation back to himself, back to the truth. And I want you to look at it with me. Look at the statement that the Lord made in John chapter 4 and verse, let's read verse 25, what the woman says to the Lord. The Bible says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I that speak unto thee am he. And through this whole conversation, this back and forth, Jesus is constantly trying to bring the conversation back around to this most important idea that he is the true one. He is the one who came to take away the sins of the world. He is the Lamb of God. And of course, you're familiar with the story. You know what happens next. The woman accepts it. The woman believes that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And she receives that gift of salvation. She receives that living water, and her life is changed forever. Now what happens now? That woman puts down that water pot, leaves it there, and runs back into town to tell everyone that she knows about what just happened. Come and see this man. Come see Jesus. He he, he is the Messiah. He is the one we've been waiting for. He is the one who is able to take away our sins. And she shares that truth with everyone. And now those streets that were once empty, this hottest time of the day, are now filled with people coming out to see this man, coming out to see Jesus, who he is. Who is this man? They want to know about him. Now as this is happening, again, imagine now what's going on with the disciples. Okay, Uh, They've been in town getting some food, and now all of a sudden... They've got one thing on their mind. They've got one thing on their agenda. They've got to get it accomplished. They are, they're hungry. It's lunchtime. They go into town. They've got to get the food. They've got to bring it out, take it to Jesus so they can get on the road. Again, they, they don't belong in this town. What are we doing here in Samaria? I, I, I imagine now as they get the food, they're, they're going back to see Jesus. Now there are people everywhere. I imagine they, they've got their food. You know, they, they're, they're probably you know, squeezing through, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, oh, oh, oops, we got to stay away from those Samaritans, <laughs> can't get too close, okay, they, they, they may have been, you know, afraid they had some kind of virus, you know, oh, can't, no, don't, don't breathe on me, don't, don't touch me, okay, we've got to get through here quickly, got to get to Jesus, got to get the food. The disciples were so focused on getting the things accomplished that they need to, about going to town, about getting the food, and about getting out without talk, with, with talking to as few Samaritans as they possibly could, that they missed what was going on around them. They missed what Jesus Christ was doing. Now, I want you to look at me, what Jesus, this conversation that happens between the disciples and Jesus as they come back to Jesus. Let's look at it here. Uh, we'll, we'll look at it here in verse 31. The Bible says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Now they're confused. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? 
Did someone show up before us with food? Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. We see the disciples were so focused on getting the food and getting it to Jesus that they totally missed what was most important. And Jesus, just like that teacher trying to get the attention of those students, Jesus speaks to his disciples here in in, in verse 35 and says, Hey, it's time to listen up. It's time to change your focus. It's time to pay attention. You've been so interested in what you've got to get done. You've been so interested in your physical needs that you've totally ignored the need of the people around you. And he says to his disciples, it's it's time to lift up your eyes. It's time to look on the field that is white, all ready to harvest. Now, I think it's interesting here that Jesus uses this, this physical analogy, this parable, as Jesus many times does. The disciples had a unique opportunity of being the, being the apostles of Jesus, that Jesus would reveal the spiritual truths behind so many of the parables. But here Jesus has got to bring it down to the, to, the, to the earthly level at this point for the disciples again. And he says, look on the fields, for they are white all ready to harvest. Now I imagine maybe a couple of the disciples maybe looked up to look for that field. Where's the field at? But of course, Jesus wasn't talking about a physical field. Jesus was talking about a spiritual field. Unfortunately, here in our, in, in, our modern, in our modern world, we're just like the disciples. We get so caught up in what we've got to do, what's going on around us. We have so many things to accomplish, so many tasks, so many, so many to-dos to check off our list. We, you know, we, we, we work all day long, and you know, by the time we're done, we're tired, we're worn out with all of our deadlines, all of our things to get done. We get off from work and we've got so many errands to run. We've got to go to the grocery store. We've got to pick up kids from school. We've got to go here and there. We've got to stop by the bank. There are so many things to get accomplished. And when you know, the smallest thing hiccup in our schedule, just, it's just so frustrating. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they cut me, out, cut, cut, you know, cut me off in traffic. Why is the grocery store line taking so long? And we get so focused on the physical things that we don't realize what's most important. We don't realize that there are people all around us who are thirsty, just like that woman at the well, who are in need of something that only we can give to them, that living water of eternal life. The fact is, we have to do those earthly things. We have to have a job. We have to take care of our family. We have to get those things done. They're important. But so many times as we get caught up in our routine of our lives and the, you know, just the mundane things of this world that we forget about what's most important. And Jesus is trying to get their attention just like he is this evening. Hey, it's time to lift up your eyes. Hey, it's time to look. Look around you. Look at the people that you come into contact with every day. The field truly is white and ready to be harvested. As we look at the world around us and the people that we come into contact with, they are empty. They are searching, they're they're looking, they're wondering why, what's the purpose of all this? What's the reason for for, for life? Why are we all here? What's going on? They're looking for peace. They're looking for meaning. 
And we are the ones who have that true peace. We are the ones who have that true meaning in life, the Lord Jesus Christ. But because we're so busy looking at the physical, we don't take the time to look up and to see the need that's there. Jesus is saying to us this evening, hey, it's time to change your focus. It's time to lift up your eyes. Hey, pay attention. Hey, let's look this way. What's most important? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for for your word, Lord, and thank you for this passage, for how it it convicts us, Lord, how, Lord, so many times we're like the disciples. Our, Our minds get so caught up and so focused on all these things that we have to get done, Lord that we miss the opportunity to reach out and to share the gospel with someone, just to, 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 just, to, just to speak to someone, just to share your word with them, Lord. Help us to realize that we've got something far more important to do here on this earth just, than just to live and survive and get by, Lord. Help us to lift up our eyes and to look on the fields that truly are, are white, that truly are ready to be harvested, Lord. We need your help, Father. I pray, Father, that, you, that you'd work in the, in the service, Lord, as we, as we close. I pray that you'd work in hearts, Lord, as you, as you work in mine. Uh, I, I pray, Father, that, that we would leave this evening changed, different than the way that we came, Father. We love you. Thank you so much for loving us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As you are sitting there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask the pastor or whoever to come and to uh, close the service.